This episode of Bouts Talking Bouts is brought to you by Bare Knuckle Betting Shark. Winning parlays. If you're looking for them in BKFC, you got to be checking out BK Bet Shark. Here's the thing. $50 buys, you get a personalized bet slip. It's based on your own budget. You can be flexible. It is what works for you. And this guy's got the receipts. You can check out all the winning tickets. You can peep them, and you can do so at Bare Knuckle Betting Shark. Check him out on Instagram and get with it. Got them personalized betting slips going on, $50 buys. All right, on this episode of Bare Knuckle Radio, very excited to be talking to an individual who's set to compete at BKFC 53, which goes down on November 3rd, and very excited to see Nathan Rivera knuckle up and toe the line against James Hyder, and great having James on Bare Knuckle Radio for the first time. How's your day going there, man? You having a solid one? Yeah, no, my day's been awesome. It's actually, like, really sunny. It's not raining today it's been kind of raining all week so cool to see the sunshine today yeah no it's nice to hear man always enjoy that and just great to you know see you getting back to this bkfc fold it seems like you're really taken to it and enjoying it like i saw you at a post a few weeks ago talking about how crazy it was that your second pro fight was for bkfc like how has this ride been so far and everything uh, it's kind of, it kind of happened pretty quick. I just uh, I went from fighting MMA and Muay Thai and doing a lot of jiu-jitsu competitions to, for some reason, I always kind of knew that I wanted to end my, you know, fighting career, fighting bare knuckle, and I saw just an opportunity to sign with a really cool manager, and he got me in there, and I'm pretty blessed to be where I'm at right now, honestly, and it happened, like I said, really fast, but I'm owning it, and I'm accepting it, and I'm not really fighting it. I believe I'm at the level to fight and be, you know, and be can't see and do bare knuckles, so this is where I'm at right now. Yeah, and I did notice that combat sports history there, there's pretty obvious elements that are, you know, subverted from all of those in bare knuckle, like the kicks and grappling and whatnot. But I'm just curious, like, how much of, like, the Muay Thai and MMA is there, like, the crossover elements? Just I feel like the infighting of the BKFC rule set kind of, you know, lends itself to something like that, like just transferable skills to a certain extent. Yeah, so the clinching and the, the Thai clinch, and that is something that me and my team and my coaches for my first fight, did want to utilize because we do understand that clinching is an aspect in bare knuckle. And I personally think I do way better when I mix, don't mix my sports and I keep them individual. So when I do just jiu-jitsu competitions, I do amazing. When I do just Muay Thai fights, I do amazing. When I do, you know, MMA fights and I have to mix them, my results have, are, you know, kind of more mixed and it's more 50 50 where if i keep the sports individual i do great and i feel the same way with bare knuckle it's just another individual sport that i'm competing in i'm a combat sport athlete i do many combat sports so to me it's not hard to make the adjustments i need to compete bare knuckle it's actually been really enjoyable i've been getting to really enjoy and respect the process of just boxing and i uh learned so much I learned so much after my during and after my first fight that you know I really am getting a lot of respect for this sport as the individual sport it is and everything can just tie up so perfectly in the sport so 
Yeah, and it seems like you have a healthy appetite for learning all aspects of the sport. Like I saw after your BKFC debut, it seemed like Lorenzo Hunt imparted some valuable knowledge to you. So love to see that. That yeah, I've tried to uh, take everything he said, and I've tried to hold on to it and use it and just advance it in the ways that I think that he meant it to be advanced. I've kind of uh, studied up on a lot of his last fights ever since then to see what he was talking about because a lot of it was a lot of just food for my brain, you know, and uh, it wasn't that he got to show me a bunch of techniques hands-on, but he, he showed me some things, talked over some stuff with me, explained the difference in the sport and that I needed to respect the sport. And I went back and I watched after his debut, I watched just the significant change in his style and how he was training and everything he was doing. And I kind of went through and I picked apart what I think is a good training regimen for a bare knuckle fighter and a good, and I think that I have, you know, come up with good strategies to throw into my game for bare knuckle. Yeah, and I also saw the picture with Britton Hart, too. It was, oh, sorry, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. Were we, we were going to impart something else there? I, I kind of was talking. Yeah, no, I cut you off. It's all, all good, man. No, sorry, I was just going to say I also noticed, it, noticed rather a picture of you, you know, shouting out Britton Hart there and everything like that and a picture with her there. So it seems like you're gleaning a lot from, you know, great champions in the sport. I definitely feel like I got the, the champ rub my first time there like I was able to talk and see and understand what they do that set them apart to make them the champs and I'm really hoping and praying that uh that can set my you know bare knuckle career in a good motion right now that I can start moving in the direction I want to move in yeah and what direction is that specifically like can you expound upon that a bit more I guess yeah I mean like Personally, I'm not the kind of person. I think that uh, there's people who carry the paths of, like, champions, and then there's people who just want to fight because they love to fight, and they want to be entertaining fighters. And if being a champion one day is an opportunity in front of them, that's, you know, just a thing. But that's kind of where I'm at. I enjoy to fight. I love fighting. I love training. It's a huge part of my life. Uh, competing for my friends, my fans, and my family is a huge honor to me. And I want to just be known as an incredibly entertaining, incredibly down fighter. I don't stray away from any challenges. You know, I'm not going to be the kind of guy to pad my record. Personally, I don't want easy fights, and I don't expect to ever get them, especially being in the BKFC. That's why I'm here. So I'm here to entertain. And if one day I can be a fucking champion, Hell yeah, let's do that. But personally, I'm just trying to get paid. I'm just trying to entertain, you know, whether I'm the good guy in the arena or I'm the bad guy. That's, you know, that's what I'm thinking about. I'm here to fight. I'm here to put everything out there on the line. I'm definitely here to win. But do I have, do I think that I'm in the position to just talk about, oh, I want to be the champion. Oh, yeah, champion. Oh. No, it's kind of cliche, bro. Like, Maybe seven or eight fights into the BKFC, I'll talk about that. But right now, I'm just trying to get paid and be an incredibly entertaining, desirable fighter. I want to be the most marketable fighter that I can be. Yeah, I get where you're coming from. Seems like a good perspective to have at this juncture and everything like that. And I have shouted out some of the 
you know, champions you've gleaned knowledge from in BKFC, but curious to get some knowledge about, you know, the people who are regularly getting in that work with you, because I saw you had a post, I mean, it was a bit ago at this point, but some good shout-outs to Crew, Adam Sablin, Crew John as well. I mean, yeah, just really, you know, good shout-outs all around there. So, love to see that, and Coach Abe Jones as well. Curious to get insights on, like, the core people who are really honing the skills because i saw i guess it was a bit ago at this point but some shout outs to crew adam sablin crew john mma coach abe jones and you know team iron man mma like is that the main space you're getting in the work at for this one too uh no i've become pretty uh so i i uh have gone and trained under many many camps and under many gyms and i've worked with many coaches just uh, throughout the Pacific Northwest, and uh, uh, Adam Sablan and crew Corey DC and uh, uh, they were amazing for striking. They were my Muay Thai instructors, and crew John JJ. He's a phenomenal man of knowledge. He was a Muay Thai strike. He's a Muay Thai striker and coach of mine, and they honestly set me in tone for being more of a striker than more of a grappler and a jiu-jitsu athlete. They kind of made me fall in love with the sport of Muay Thai, which made me fall in love with, honestly, stand-up fighting. But uh, I'm training right now out of a gym that I'm running called the True Fighter Boxing Academy. And it's owned by a really awesome lady named Shannon. And she just lets me run the program. And we run a really diligent, hard program that's pretty much built towards a fighting regimen and uh we got a lot of bodies in there we have around 20 people in there at all times so it can be pretty uh good but i have to also get extensive training from other places and i have coaches like i have a whole team of people behind me i have two mental health coaches that keep me right during my camps i have people that help me diet i have uh coaches in Alaska and my older brother who's my black belt in jiu-jitsu he is in Alaska every day at the legacy MMA camp and he he's keeping me right he keeps me honest with myself makes sure I do my miles he makes sure I get my reps in and that I'm not just doing bullshit and just cheating myself so I have people that are constantly invested in me and those people would have to be Jose Nicasio uh, and a, definitely my good training partner, Daniel Fenske, he's been a big thing for keeping me ready for these fights. I'd have to say he probably should get the most credit out of that. He holds mitts for me at all times when I need them. He's constantly there to work footwork with me. Uh, there's days that we've put in hours just on road work when I wouldn't have been able to do it alone. There's days where I've gone into the gym when we're done lifting and I can't hit mitts to save my life because my arms are dead and he pushes me through he, he'll train right next to me to keep me going like he'll move me onto the bags and stuff like and he doesn't have to do that he pretty much went from my training partner almost to like it sounds kind of stupid he coaches me because i don't really i can't bring many other coaches into our gym because it's just expensive and stuff to get me a coach for as much as i need i would need a whole sponsor of its own so Daniel has made a really large self-sacrifice and he goes out of his way to be there for me, honestly. And I don't think that I would be in the 
as sharp as I am right now if it wasn't for Daniel. He gets a huge credit to that. Like, I've learned and I've got, gained a lot of knowledge and experience in every gym that I've gone to, and it's made me take quantum leaps in every striking gym I've gone to. Like, I've done the boss root and bang Muay Thai stuff in Alaska. I've done the Hamina Lotus Muay Thai system. I've done just, you know, traditional American boxing, and I've done MMA striking. And throughout all the years, all the refined skills, I mean, I even did Wing Chun when I was 18. I did, like, two years of Wing Chun and Jeet Kune Do. So it's like all of these years of martial arts training kind of just added up, and then now I have a partner with me that's given me hours, hours and hours of dedication to get me to where I need to be for that Russo fight. We were planning on taking that fight home. I think that I came in a little overzealous, and we, you know, we, we might have took that fight to the to the line right away a little soon, all gas, no brakes, and I didn't understand how much damage you can and you can take in that sport. I'm used to fighting with gloves on, so I can stay in the pocket and I can just brawl and I can do my thing until the fight's over. And it wasn't like that with bare knuckle. It was more of a uh, accuracy thing. It's all about accuracy placement and speed and footwork. So, and I wouldn't even have anyone to work with on any of that if it wasn't for Daniel. So, Daniel gets a huge part to that. For sure. And when I talk to bare knuckle fighters, I'm curious as to, I guess, how they go about curating certain aspects of their camp. Like, one of the things I'm always curious about is, like, the glove size that you might use in, like, a sparring kind of context. Because I talk to guys that will use, like, bigger, like, Queensbury rules gloves for like more of like the intensity kind of replication, but then maybe use like the smaller MMA gloves for like precision kind of work. And it's not the same kind of, you know, fervent kind of intense kind of pursuit. Like where are you at in terms of like the sizes of gloves you use for your preparations for bare knuckle? So I was, that is actually a super good question. I was, when going into my first bare knuckle fight, I was a little concerned because I didn't put puppies on or MMA gloves on to train at all. I just trained with 12 ounces on my whole time. And uh, I was like, I wonder if I'm, I wasn't too concerned on placement or being able to hit, but uh, it was just a factor that I knew that I did know though, training with those bigger gloves on that putting, taking my gloves off and having little smaller hands to throw would make my punches easier to land and that I would find a way to get them inside. So I wasn't really worried about it. In this whole camp, I've trained with 12-ounce gloves on. I don't think I need to put smaller gloves on because if I can find a home for my shots with the bigger gloves on, I can find a home for my shots with no gloves on. Yeah, definitely fair, man. I talk to people who will use the bigger gloves for the entirety of their camp. Just kind of an interesting time in the sport where people kind of you know, developing their own techniques almost, seeing what works, you know what I mean? And I guess kind of an extension of that because you've been involved in a few martial arts at this point. And when I talk to bare knuckle fighters who, you know, have previous combat sports experience and are coming in, I feel like I get one of two answers with this. Like some fighters really stand by the hand strengthening kind of techniques, like working with like the wooden Muay Thai boards and, you know, gripping the sand and, you know, kind of things like that. But then I also get the other guys who are like, ah, you know, I don't need to, you know, waste my time doing that. I don't even know if that works. So, like, where are you at in terms of the, you know, hand strengthening for bare knuckle? Uh, I... 
feel like for bare knuckle, I did go through a small phase before my first fight where just to get it out of the way, I was doing some knuckle hardening and knuckle conditioning. Um, but then I, uh, I did realize that I don't really wrap my hands. I've never been one too fond of wrapping my hands. So my whole integrity as a martial artist, I have just kind of not wrapped my hands and I beat my hands up pretty bad under my gloves. And that kind of ended up, t you know, toughening them up for this because and now I don't see the need to do any of that during this camp. I don't see the need to punch trees or punch the, you know, the metal, the metal uh, post on the ring. I just feel the need to keep hitting the bag without knuckle protection. Maybe I'll wrap, I'll wrap my wrists sometimes so that I don't hurt my wrist. But I'm pretty rough on my hands. I've never been easy on them, and I think that just helped. When I was landing shots in my first fight, my hands didn't even get sore afterwards. Out of every, after everything I felt, it wasn't the hands. And when you hit someone without the glove on, it's not even... I don't think it's as bad as hitting the bag without your glove on because the bag's really solid and it hurts. But at the same time, Britton Hart just broke her hand. So I'm kind of trying to keep the longevity in my bones. I don't want to constantly hit something and risk hurting my hand later. I'm just going to, like everyone said, I'm not going to waste my time with that. I'm just going to hit the bag without my hands wrapped and see if that gets me anywhere good. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. I understand where you're coming from, and the explanation makes sense. But I guess as a continuation of talking about the differences between your debut fight and maybe what you're doing for this next one, I'm curious like how much of a difference maker it is with this sophomore effort being at featherweight as compared to the initial bantamweight debut. Like, How different is the camp in terms of you know preparing for featherweight now this time out? Well... <sighs> That was my first time ever fighting at bantamweight. I spent my whole AMI career fighting pretty much at what I walked. So I walked at like 153, 154. So I would always fight 155 or 145. And I never had a single 135 fight. There were times that when I did Muay Thai, the weight groups are different. So I would be fighting big, pretty big guys that could weigh in at 158, you know? and I would weigh in at 151, 152. So to me, size has never, ever really been too big of a deal. And I was more experimenting if I wanted to fight in the bantamweight class when I did that cut. And I do want to fight in the bantamweight class and I do want to fight in the featherweight class both. I want to be known for fighting in both of these divisions because like I said, I'm a game fighter. I will sign a contract with enough, you know, if you offer me enough money, I'll sign a contract. So I'm a game opponent. I love to fight. I love to put it all out there. I'm 29 years old. I'm not really worried about risking it. So this camp has pretty much just been, so where 135, I had to cut from, you know, 150. I had to, a lot of water, uh, no, very low carbs, uh, low sugar, low sodium, uh, it was weeks of dieting, vegetables, a lot of vegetables and stuff, where now this camp's a little more laid back. Uh, this camp is, I can eat what I want, I can just lift as much as I want, I can run as much as I want, I can 
basically completely exert myself every day and reload every night and do pretty much whatever I want right now, as long as I'm drinking enough water. And because there's no fear of me being too heavy right now. I am in a, I'm a great size. And I think that there, if anything, because of how much I'm training, there would be some sort of a concern, me being too light because I'm probably going to end up like 144, 145 on the dot without even having to try. Like I'll just work out a bunch, do like three or 400 abs a day, run a few miles, hit the bag of a lot, hit some focus mitts, lift weights, and boom, I'm going to come into my fight strong as hell. I'll have a lot of endurance, a lot of cardio. I'll hit hard as ever. And that's honestly, I felt great in my last fight too. I don't think that cardio conditioning, I wasn't lethargic, I wasn't anything. So we, I have, like I said, I have a great team that really helps me stay honest and discipline myself. So nutrition has never been an issue and training's never really been an issue for my camps, especially my last camp. Because Daniel, Daniel hovered me my whole camp, so. Yeah, I love all the insights. No, sorry, go ahead. I was just saying, I hope that answers the question. Yeah, no, very much so. I I guess my thought was to just maybe get some insights into the, you know, opponent here. Like, is this someone you're like, game planning for specifically a fair bit? Like, just kind of gleaning off of some of his information on topology. It looks like he's got, you know, all of his wins through AMI, MMA by first round stoppage. Did kind of encroach into the pro ranks there, but looking to make his... BKFC debut here like I'm kind of curious like what you may or may not know about Nathan Rivera and I guess his resume or some of his better stylistic attributes he's got a great resume honestly and <clears throat> I will never discredit a fighter at all ever but I don't think there's any reason for me to be scared in any form and prepare in any specific way other than just how I've already been preparing. I need to just keep working what I've been working. Uh, he's a very uh, game opponent. All his first round stoppages were great stoppages. Uh, yeah, no, I'm actually, I respect that guy's style. Stylistically, he's accurate, he's fast, he's strong. He's gonna be a great fight. This is really exciting for me. I, uh, I got, like I said, I got into this sport to be an entertainer and to have good entertaining fights. So to me, not having someone who's just going to be a tomato can, that's what I'm in it for. I want to fight real opponents. I want to fight game opponents. I'm here to test myself. And this is, in my opinion, a perfect test for myself. I think and know that my camp and everything that I prepared for, not just this month, not just last month, not just the months before that, this whole upcoming years, is going to keep me safe and keep me right in this fight. So it's pretty much just, there's obvious, it's obviously a different ballpark, so there's going to be a different game involved. And I'm ready to change up my game a little bit in order to win this game. So. And I talk to fighters who will sometimes practice a lot of visualization and kind of within that have like a predominant, like reoccurring visualization of how the fight will end. If I mean, I guess presuming you're a fighter, who does a bit of that? Like, how do you see this fight ending? Is there, like, a reoccurring visualization for this one? No, not at all. My first fight, there was. And this fight, there's not. I'm just going to do what I do best. I'm going to go in there, and I'm going to work the game plan. And then if plan A doesn't work, 
resort to plan B. If plan B doesn't work, it's time to just be myself and scrap, baby. So I, it could go five rounds. It could be a technical stand-up war, or it could end in the early rounds. It's really just the name of the game. This sport's a dice roll. They do a good job matching up fighters. So it's pretty much just whoever stops moving first, and that's how it's going to go. I called it in my last fight. I said the winner of my last fight was going to be the most, the more accurate fighter who ever found a home for their shots better, and that's what happened. He got me overextending, and he found a picture-perfect home for his counter, and that's the name of the game. That's the sport. That's the way we live. We understand those risks and everything involved, so I'm pretty much there to just hopefully... You know, obviously, everybody wants to get knocked out of the night, or everyone wants to just completely outclass their opponent and visualize a domination. But at this high level, visualizing anything like that is borderline foolish. I'm just trying to be the best fighter I can be, show show up the best I can be, and deliver whatever my contract signed. Yeah, I know. I love hearing that, man. And just, you know, very excited for this fight, definitely. You know, that was the case before talking to you, but the insight's definitely, you know, increasing that for sure. But I also do want to be, you know, mindful of your time and what you're getting up to, man. So I guess in kind of saying that as we're wrapping up, I'm curious if maybe you have any kind of final parting thought you'd like to add. Uh, again, I probably should thank a lot of the people supporting me if it's the end of the interview because they're going to definitely be listening and watching this. And all my previous sponsors for my last fight, you know who you are. You guys are badasses. Thank you. And then all my current new sponsors coming, Cruise Construction, uh, Grub, he's my one of my mental health guys, and he runs a really badass Twitch channel. So all these people, they know who they are, and I know that you're watching and supporting me, and that's a big thing keeping me going. So thank you, guys. My Oh, and my boxing gym, True Fighter Boxing Academy. I wouldn't even be, like I said, in as good a shape as I am right now if it wasn't for them. And then, ooh, one more, one more insight. I really, really do have to say that my manager, Carlos and Carrie, I wouldn't even be here for, if it wasn't for them either. They put a lot of faith in me. They find me fights. They have me on a good spot in their roster. So I appreciate you guys. If anyone ever wanted to get into doing bare knuckle, I would just recommend finding a real manager. Don't, uh, don't fake it. Don't let your coaches play manager and, you know, ring you around the rosy. I spent a lot of time having fake, you know, managers is what I'll call them. Coaches that deliberately wanted to play manager and wanted to control your career and tell you what you can and can't do. And when I was listening to people like that, I would have never signed with my manager and I would have never been given these big opportunities to perform for the biggest promotion in the world. So... Nothing in life is free. If you have to pay a manager, sometimes pay your manager. That's worth it. Any anyone that can get you where you got to go, you know, sooner, hire them. Especially if you're chasing a dream. So don't waste time with fake, uh, yeah, fake coach manager guys that want to just be like you can and can't fight. When I say so, that's BS. You train, you get to a professional level, and then you get a manager. That's how you succeed. Yeah, I mean, some good advice and another... Yeah, no, sorry, go ahead. No, that's all I got to say about that. 
Yeah, for sure. I guess I was just saying, it seems like some lessons have been learned just in many facets throughout your journey as a fighter, which, you know, good to have that, you know, mindset for sure, learn from the experiences and very excited to see the next chapter in this story unfurl pretty soon. I mean, BKFC 53 looking like a great card on November 3rd. And yeah, so thanks so much for coming on Baronacle Radio and talking ahead of this Nathan Rivera fight, James, and just really looking forward to seeing all this go down when you guys get out there. But until then, you have a good rest of your night, man. Thank you. Yeah, no, thank you for listening. You have a great night. This episode of Bouts Talking Bouts is brought to you by Bare Knuckle Betting Shark. Winning parlays. If you're looking for them in BKFC, you got to be checking out BK Bet Shark. Here's the thing. $50 buys, you get a personalized bet slip. It's based on your own budget. You can be flexible. It is what works for you. And this guy's got the receipts. You can check out all the winning tickets. You can peep them, and you can do so at Bare Knuckle Betting Shark. Check him out on Instagram and get with it. Got them personalized betting slips going on. $50 buy.